like every word. So as soon as their awareness keys into your using a filler word, that's all they hear. It's like the F word or the cuss word. Some people start, they lock you into a cuss word. In my seminar, you've heard me occasionally I'll, I'll use, you know, adult language to pop, right? And, and there are people in the audience that go, he's cussed. And now all they listen for is the cuss words because they it goes against their their theological belief system that I'm a bad person and they can't hear me anymore. So you have to be really careful when you're communicating to avoid the fillers and other words like that. Yeah, I definitely have been more cognizant of it just in the fact that because I think I can speak more maturely now, I don't know that I need to be adding in any of the fillers as much. Fillers come in the form of irritating, uh, quirky body language or frustrating uh, things that people do. When I'm in thinking mode, I'll hit my lip like this. Nobody sees me. But when they do see me and I go off into my head and I start putting pictures together in my head and I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, it's so weird that um, people go, and, and now they can't hear a word I said. It's the same, Johnny O, you do this, you do this. And so people can't hear you anymore because all they see is this right here, right? So just be still and breathe, right? And so what happens is everybody's looking at Josh talking and all they see is you going back and forth. And that's that's distracting language in the world of communication. Now, what if you're like me and it was all about you two? And so what if I did it on purpose? So that way people would stop listening to me except for the person I was just talking to. People on your program, then you definitely need to do that. <laughs> I think that we Ooh. definitely want to go ahead. Yeah. If you have people on your on your on your podcast that are, are worth listening to that give you something that have these sentences that go bam and then drop it changes everything they, they're they're listening for that drop right that moment where they go shit for, for, for myself i actually i move a lot i i do four football lives for uh the football pool I run, a lot of people are like, you're always moving your legs, you're doing something. It's actually, uh, for myself, I, I don't really care if people listen to me, to be honest. I think if they're intelligent, <laughs> I think if they're intelligent and they want to learn something, then maybe they'll take it for its value. Myself, I, I don't talk for the sake of speaking uh, necessarily at heart, but that's probably what I do. Sometimes I just like to hear the my, sound of my own voice, maybe, and, and go on tangents and so forth. But I have a past... Uh, and I don't, I don't speak of it often, but I actually have an arthritic pelvis uh, from a bad football injury. And a lot of my movement, it's to mediate the pain, actually. When I stay still, it flares up. So that's kind of, to be short, like I've heard all sorts of stuff like, oh, Johnny, they think me back in my heyday and think I'm probably intoxicated or who knows what. But no, like I just, it's kind of a, a whatever thing, right? But uh, yeah, you know, it's... Uh, I think momentum and things too, right? You know, it's uh, it's kind of that hypnotism factor. I try to like think if I move a lot, maybe you won't hear all the faults and everything I'm saying. Yeah, that could be. I think you're just guarding, you know, this American football stuff. 
Yeah, this field actually it, it came up on my it came up on my uh it came up on my memory it came up on my memory feed. I forget how many years ago, but it was a, a sales contest. Uh, the the owner of Duick was ever so kind to you know let us use his booth, all the top salesmen. So it was just a fond memory. I thought, hey, let's throw it up there, see if uh, see if people know what the CFL is. All our uh, uh, handful of listeners, so. Now, if you are a Donald Trump follower, you should probably know who the CFL is. Did you know, Johnny O, that he, at one time, he, I believe it was the CFL. Wasn't CFL the one that had Herschel Walker? Uh, he was one of the most famous famous players there. Was it CFL? USFL. <clears throat> USFL. Okay. You know what I'm talking about then, don't you, Boudreaux? He was the big-time owner and supporter of them and invested a ton of money back in its in its um, inception. Not that no I, reason not it failed whatsoever, Johnny. You know what? I am. I am a horrible Canadian because I would consider myself someone who follows the NFL probably more than the average person. But I don't really follow <laughs> the CFL all that much. I, I know that sounds terrible. I love the game. I love everything about the CFL. Um, you know, the BC Lions, I, I would tune in and watch as many games as I ever stumbled across when TV was big and, you know, you're on the channel, I see a Lions game, yeah, I'll hone in, I'll watch it. But now with with all these, like, live streaming and so forth, and when you kind of choose what you watch, I, I seem to be watching less of it, which is, is shame on me because I, I think it's a fantastic game. I, uh, I'm a little bit... Uh, embarrassed by uh, how much I've been watching the CFL lately so <laughs> all right well Boudreaux loves it when we talk about football so we should probably move on unless it's LSU unless we're going to bring up his Joe Burrow um, mistake yesterday against the Ravens uh, I don't know they don't even know about it well Johnny O doesn't want me to go and pick on John on Joe Burrow so I'm, because I'm still the Herbert believer but I'll get off uh, of it right away we won't go down tough. that you got to put it in comparison to how he's performing compared to every other Cincinnati quarterback in uh, the last decade. I, I think he's doing all right. That's a tough team to play. Hey, I, I don't know if you are a Cincinnati fan, but I like the Red Rider. I like An Andy Dalton. I think he, he was an underrated quarterback and could have hey, done he, if they he stepped him. up. He stepped up there and did a great job for Dallas, you know, and with that yeah. injury. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think Burrell's a – will shine brighter than him, but well, I know Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott's watching the show right now. So speedy recovery, Dak Prescott. <laughs> I'm not even a Dallas fan, but I hate to see injuries. If I was a player, I'd always want to go up against the best opponents with the ultimate respect for who Dak Prescott is. He's been throwing about 500 yards a game. It seems like, but we'll get going here because Boudreaux is, uh, we're not talking LSU. And so we'll, we'll keep, keep it moving. <laughs> And I won't use any more stutters or asides or pauses or anything to gather my thoughts too much since it's not about me. It's about Damien Boudreaux and Johnny O and what you guys are the go-to people for. And so we'll start with you, Boudreaux. What are you the go-to person for? Sucks. You want to come to me. When your world is out of balance, you definitely want to come to me. It seems that I have the ability to take people and recenter them and get them in this present moment and help them reassess where they are 
and where they want to go and get them to see the possibilities and the belief of now. Um, I get, it's, it's like the universe attracts people to me that I've never even met before. Hey, look, I'm, I was told to reach out to you. Um, so that's probably the biggest go-to thing in my life. That's with family and everything. And does that come from experience, Boudreaux, because you, you've been in those types, types of spots? just knows i think the universe just has this magnet to it that that's that's where i can be of, of service right that that's where i can be of, of use um tempt to do it's not definitely not a marketing thing you don't see my social media sammy out there saying hey call uncle damien if your world sucks <laughs> but yet but yet i'll get random texts you know out of the blue or messages, look, I, I was told to call you. You don't know me. I, you, I know you're very busy, but this is what's going on. You know, my, you know, and I, it's with kids too. So I'm, I, I mean, Taylor is at Shriners. I mean, is at a, at Shriners in Chicago. She's one of my kids that I work with in hospitals, right? Just, she, she fell off a horse when she was 16 or 15. I'd met her re just right after that. Somebody had introduced me to her, her mama and said, I want you to meet this person. And so I, I did the, the stuff that I do with kids, you know, with, with recentering them with who they are at their best, the I am. I do the I am for terminally ill kids and their parents and, and kids who are dying or, or, or Taylor who, you know, has this, this pair, I mean, is, who lost the use of her legs because she fell off the horse, you know? And uh, so she'll, send kids to me uh there's a book i have called the magic list well she gives out the magic list all the time right to other kids who show up in the hospitals as do other places around the country so books sponsored in hospitals children's hospitals uh and they just find out about me you know they there's they just and then they'll reach out and i can help parents whose kids are dying or you know parents you're not taught to deal with you know you know that they're not going to make it and your whole beingness is they gonna make it oh hey oh no they're gonna make it right and so there's this juxtaposition this 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 unbelievable it's this way or that way and there's all kind of colors in between for parents so i don't i don't know i just i just have that a, a gift and i, I love it I, i'm i love the ability to heal that people energetically and show them on the other side of the door, even though it sucks on this side of the door, on the other side of the door, it's gonna be just, it'll be okay. And when I say it's gonna be okay, for some reason, they seem to believe me. <laughs> well, I wanna come back to that and get Johnny O in too. Johnny O, what are you the go-to person for? You know, I don't, I'm not sure. Um... I don't think I'd be a top expert of necessarily any field to say, but, you know, I think a lot of people might um, think that potentially I could be like a go-to type person uh, for, for just uh, being, being a genuine opinion, perhaps, you know, giving, giving a perspective or, um, you know, a kind of uh, answer that, that might be from uh 
from more of the heart or something of like that. You know, I think being a go-to person, I think in my life and the things that, you know, and the different changes and so forth, probably when I was 19 to 23, I was probably the go-to person for, for partying. You know, it would be uncommon on a Friday to a Saturday or a Sunday for my phone to get 50 to 60 calls asking where's the party at, you know, and then uh, through injury and, and sports injury and stuff, then it'd be surprised to almost at some point probably even hear my phone ever ring. And then through recovery in the car game, probably, you know, 20, 30 calls a day about cars and automotive. And then, uh, you know, now it's, it's more about uh, wellness and so forth, I guess. But uh, right now, I guess I'm the, you know the commissioner of the 2020 nfl legendary football pool so i i guess uh primarily uh you know keeping track of 73 people and making sure their picks are on time i I find myself more often than not talking to people about football and making picks and and then you kind of uh start hearing how people are doing and so forth and uh you know, it's an interesting perspective, right? You know, you talk, talk to people in your meeting and, and running a football pool and start hearing about uh, the trying times and what people are going through and how they think of uh, the different uh, things going on in the world and politics. And we've got a election coming up here soon for a provincial election. And I think there's, I, I, I don't know, some sort of election going on in the States coming up too. It's uh, a lot going on. Um, but uh, myself, I, I always think there's probably greater experts. I don't know if I'd be like, I can single myself out and be like, oh, I'm like the absolute go-to guy for, for something in particular. But I, I think aside from that, um, I, I think for the most, for the most part, I'm, I'm probably regarded as someone that, that's of the genuine type. So I think uh, it's probably uh, a little bit ironic coming from a car salesman but I think you know when when people go through things and times are tough and so forth uh, quite often uh, people reach out to me for kind of an a, a, you know a, a perspective that might be of the genuine nature yeah well it's easy to know what you're the go-to person for when you're a car salesman or car sales person car sales woman hopefully it's easy uh, for people to know what you're the go-to person for if you're selling cars and in life, I, I think that you're right, Johnny O, that, you know, it changes from time to time as to what you're the go-to person for. But what do you call that, Boudreaux? Like, for, for Johnny O, he seems to be a connector. I don't know, because this football pool I know is really, it's, it's practically worldwide, isn't it, Johnny O? Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's certainly, uh, you know, to win a week in this football pool might be, like, a lifetime accomplishment for a lot of people, right? Like it's a pretty big deal. Um, but, uh, you know, truth be told, it's, it's, uh, 73 people and they're all, uh, know me in one way or another. So it, it's a fun time. It's, uh, a, a lot of good people in the pool and we're pretty selective. If you, if you had an invite from me, it, we don't just throw them out to anyone. It's pretty, uh, is that a shot across the bow because I didn't sign up or are you just being, are you just making a statement or are you really just upset that I didn't join in? No, I, I, I respect your stance. <laughs> it's a competitive league. Like, you know, just, uh, I think like, you know, it's a, it's a little bit intimidating being on a world scale of a football pool like that. <laughs> I, I, I definitely, uh, I take no offense. It's, uh, you know, it, it I was is. honored to be invited to this such thing. However, I would not be able to put the time in necessary 
I do like, you know, every once in a while going on the DraftKings, let's just plug them while we're at it. We're so big, I'm sure it's going to matter that, uh, you know, they do a great job, I think, on people that just want to get in every once in a while and plug some of their favorite players into their daily lineup and play away. Have you ever played that DraftKings stuff or any of those, Johnny O? I hate to say this, I'm not a, a big believer in, in gambling, um, mainly because I'm of the addictive uh, type. So I, I, I like having fun. I like putting a little bit of money here and there, but I, I always feel like, you know, if, if you don't go into the jungle, you can't get bit by the snake. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm trying to stay away from that stuff because um, I have a problem uh, swimming. I always, you know, dive headfirst in. So uh, when it comes to gambling, I think the odds are against you a little bit. So I have kind of the foresight to uh, have some precaution there. I've seen people with gambling addictions and uh, I believe in the fun of it, you know, competing with my buddies here and there. I like to play the total, um, but I kind of, I'm, I'm the, of the cautious, you know, express or try to use caution uh, when it comes to uh, that kind of stuff. Cause you know, I, I'm with my buddy there one day and he's like, oh, you can jump on your phone. You can jump on anything. I can jump. I can jump on this bed right here. I can bet on who's going to win this coin cost. I can bet. I'm like, Oh man, this is dangerous. I'm going to a lot of ways to lose some money. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is, uh, <laughs> this is, this is scary. Right. But, uh, Hey, gambling, as long as, as you're using it for entertainment for a lot, including myself, I love to watch a football game knowing that I could win some money. It makes it more fun. That being said, if you have an addictive personality and you have a problem with gambling, then I'll be the first to, not ask Johnny O again to do it to come to Vegas with me. <laughs> I'll be doing, uh, I'll be in Vegas on Halloween again. So that means that Monday following Halloween, we'll be doing another Vegas show. I like to go about three, four times a year to Las Vegas and have a little entertainment, do a little gambling. Thank goodness Cirque du Soleil is going to be going again because we like to catch the show. My favorite one is O at Bellagio. If you've never had a chance to see Cirque du Soleil, it's worth going to Las Vegas just to see that in itself. It is phenomenal and outstanding. But Boudreaux, back to what you're the go-to person for, because I want to expand a little bit with that tying into the Auto Training Academy. And, you know, that's how I know of you with Keep It Simple Selling, uh, your sales book, your car sales book. And when it comes to the car business, as far as being a go-to person in the car business, Boudreaux, how does that tie in? How do you still get that feeling of serving and helping uh, with the car business? And how does that tie into what your, your, what your gift is, really? The same thing, because it's, it's two things, really, helping people get good at themselves. And when you get in the car business, there's the whole confidence issue and the belief system and who you are and how you show up and... And the whole purpose of this is so that you can love and care for other people, right? And so the ability to be generous and the ability to be able to not give away yourself or lose yourself within the generosity shows up in wherever I am. So the stuff I'm doing in the schools is the same thing I do in the, in the, in the, in the dealership. All of my high-achieving salespeople learn to critically think. They're not compliant soldiers, right? So when they get a situation they are taught how to take a step back and go, how do I get this to work for me, right? The whole, the whole key to getting people to the level I get them to is to not tell them what to do, but to help them learn how they should do it and to discover how they should do it. 
right? Now, I might help with questions in, in processes or belief systems or understanding or, you know, the, their, their, their perspective, their perceived obstacles. You know, people, people build rules for their life. And the rules they built for their life now were formed in eighth grade. Well, this ain't eighth grade no more, right? That was a good rule in eighth grade. That rule in eighth grade kept you from getting your ass whipped or something, right? But, but now you're 30. Now you're 30. You, the rules don't apply anymore. So, you, you know, it's like you, you're stuck on chapter one of your book. Chapter one was a learning part of your book. You're on chapter six and you're carrying forward chapter one and you don't need it anymore. You know, and then some people are trying to start their book off at chapter six and they need to be on chapter one, right, of their book. <laughs> and so just the belief system that, look, Am I that, oh, there we go. That that event that you that you think defined you, but it didn't define you. It defined that moment in time. It doesn't mean you're this. It means you were that then. And as you grow, you evolve so that you can go, oh, that was a good lesson. And I learned this and I learned this and I learned this and I learned this. And that's how I apply this. Now I can think differently. But this ability to be trapped in a belief system or a rule, I'll tell you, I think the, the key to success is breaking your rules, questioning your rules, challenging the belief system that, oh, that's how life works. Bullshit. That's how life works when you thought it worked that way, right? It, it evolves, you know, it's at, at 58 years old, the rules are different than when I was 38 years old. The rules are different when I was broke, right? Than they are now where I don't have to think about money, where the piece of finances are just everywhere, right? You, you just have the ability to grow. And that sometimes takes somebody like me to ask great questions so that you go, yeah, that's kind of funny. I didn't, I didn't think about that, but that is kind of a bullshit rule. <laughs> yeah, there's too many rules, aren't there? Kind of keep life simple, you know, and again, that's that's the other thing. You, you make things so complicated that people can't succeed. You know, how do I fit what you're telling me to do into who I am? Based on the rules that I set over here to be who I am, now I got to change all my rules to do and lose my be. And now my doing is more important than my being. And I don't feel real and I don't feel authentic. And, you know, this business just isn't for me. I'm just out. It's not for me. You know, it's, it's uh, icky, right? And it's icky because you're trying to be something you're not. You're trying to be a compliant soldier in a value system that isn't yours. <laughs> That's that's really cool how you put that because yeah, I think we all want to be compliant soldiers for other people at times. At some point in our lives, I think that we did a lot of judging uh, for most people that I've met anyways. I never met anyone that wasn't judging somebody at some point. And so definitely, can you talk about that a little bit, uh, Damien? Other people, it's based on your mirror. I always said when somebody accuses you of something, it's because that's who they are or that's who they were. And, you know, an addict will always see an addict, right? They'll always see people who are abusing things and put their belief system that, you know, that person's an addict. I know what an addict looked like. I was one and I know what that is, you know? 
a reformed smoker is the worst person who will judge people and condemn people who smoked, right? They just seem to have this, this sword out for people who are in the position they were and they know what's best for them because they stopped. They're smoking in the car business a little bit, but not as much as there used to be. That's for sure. Used to be. I'm glad I never had that drug. Yeah, you, you remember, I'm sure, being in the 80s uh, selling cars. Didn't pretty much every salesperson smoke? And on the showroom, too. They, they would wait on the point with a cigarette, and a person would come up, they'd drop it, and they look, he just smoked. And they'd walk <laughs> in and, and walk right up to the customer blowing smoke, right? And we were like, <laughs> Johnny O. Me and my tribe, right? We were. <laughs> so Johnny O, what is this? One of those vapor vaporizers, or what is this thing? Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of got to clean up the lungs a little bit. You know, I was thought I when I got in the car industry, I thought it was a good opportunity to make up for uh, all the 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 years that I had to be so diligent and healthy when I was, when I was playing football and, and lacrosse and. Boudreaux, and I think he's sports. doing the extra rocking back and forth for you. He's smoking. It's a talent. Winning football leagues. I mean, I see him as a connector. And John, you know, how did you amass a hundred thousand? I mean, a world famous car salesman for one. Who, no joke. I just found, or maybe you found me. I think I can't remember who found each other, but I think it was through Twitter. And uh, I think you probably had watched some goofy video I did in my garage, and you hit me up because you wanted some shirts for these ten um, dealership gals that you had the just do it ladies or just do it girls and uh you had them all wear the shirts which i truly appreciate and love obviously anyone anytime anyone wears an auto sales wear shirt but you know it's funny you are in my mind just a just the personality that you bring in itself is a gift but what when you talk about like uh how did you amass this hundred thousand you know, Twitter followers and in the car business, what would you say? Because right now you're now you're, you haven't talked about Medispa Labella once. So what is going on there, Johnny? I feel like it's just, sometimes I just listen to such intelligence from both you guys and so much stuff going forward. Like the coach and me, cause I, I, I grew up coaching so much, like so many cliche sayings, like the fastest way to a deal is to slow down, judge not, want not. Um, there, there's one more that came to mind. Uh, I was trying to think of. Uh, now, now it's, I'm losing it. But uh, yeah, like um, I'm not sure when. Like with the, um, I'm starting to get it all mixed up here. We're all over the place. Put, put me on track, <laughs> brother. Put me on track here. We're, what, what were we talking about again? We're well, saying as far as, you know, being a go-to person in the car business, what you'd consider even when you were, and then the fact you haven't talked about Medispa, I'm just making sure that everything's going okay with Medispa and with Adriana. You haven't mentioned that at all. Yeah, you know, we had a, a massive summer. Um, I think things have slowed down a little bit, but as expected, right? Um, you know, back to reality, everyone's kind of uh, getting over all the, the, the luxury of the summer and so forth. But uh, um, you dive in with, with all four limbs when you get into something like this football league. Is there anything else going on besides this football league right now? Uh, football, wellness. I think that's probably the, the gist of it. I, uh, I'm kind of a, more of an all or nothing type when it comes yeah. to most things. So, 
you definitely see me all or nothing. And with with then uh, you know with Sammy. Oh no. We, oh yeah yeah yeah. Goudreau is going to be right back, and we'll keep it going because me and John Yo can we could go for hours for sure. But so Medi Spa in the winter time, does it still is it sustaining uh, in the winter time, John Yo? You know what? I think it's too soon for like we're we just celebrated being in business for about a year, right? So I I'm not sure. We've just always kind of progressively been busier, so I I'm not. It's hard to really evaluate that at this point, right? I don't have the luxury of like when I was in the car business and I could kind of look back for five, six years and kind of figure things out that way. Um, for for me, I, we were talking a little bit about, you know, uh, keeping things simple and so forth. Like I, I'm a believer of, I think if you're like have good executive power, if you're a good coach, you, for for yourself, maybe you need to be a little bit more analytical. You need to invest more time into complication and figuring out greater strategies and so forth. But I think when you're a player on that team, or maybe you're a salesperson, the onus is on your leadership. I think you're right. Like, you know, as long as you have a strong system and a philosophy behind um, the team you play on or the dealership you work for, sometimes it is best just to really keep it simple and hone in and follow instruction and be obedient and do as you're told and take advantage of the system and the higher, the higher uh, level of uh, instruction that, that's kind of put forth uh, for you to follow to have success, right? So um, I think that's the number one thing that a lot of people do is they start overcomplicating things, right? Like you start and I think that's probably why sometimes I, I don't do the best with, with football picks and stuff. I think so, a lot of times if I just picked the team that I thought was going to win, I'd do fine. But then you start getting over analytical and looking at every statistic and this and that, you just complicate and all of a sudden you're flustered. You don't know where you're at, right? Whereas if, if you just, um, you know, fall the kind of, I, I think that's maybe not the best comparison because I'm just saying, but you know, follow your gut or whatever. But I think in as far as, uh, team atmospheres are concerned, you know, follow instructions from your higher ups, follow that strategy, that platform. Uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer of success is not necessarily about um, individualism. It's not necessarily about just kind of, you know, you're a basketball player, you go out there and just start freestyling and doing whatever. Now you're subject to, to chance. You're subject to, um, opportunity you're subject to cir circumstance basically right whereas if you go in there and you follow a system and you follow a, a platform uh, like sort of like I did in the car industry and I just followed Joe Verde that's what we had at the dealership keep it simple um, and you know just kind of rely on that rather than your own individual talent you start relying on your own individual talent and start overthinking things and things become complicated. Uh, you're, you're just making things harder on yourself. And uh, unfortunately, when you start getting into that habit, uh, the consistency is not there. You don't have the consistency. You don't have, and at, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a really firm believer of, th there really is no wrong answer. The right answer is unity and following instruction. I, I do believe that. I believe there might be some systems that are better than the others, but following that system and having unity is going to lead you to success far 
much more than having division and everyone on a different page. You know, it, as long as everyone kind of hones in and believes in what they're doing and everyone's united and everyone's following the system, then it's going to basically translate to um, opportunities based on um, based on systematic uh success right as opposed to if everyone's doing something different everything then it's just at some point there's going to be a break there's going to be something that doesn't align and the whole everything's going to crash down right so i i'm just kind of in the mindset of no it would be really fun i mean this sincerely what would be fun is if you and me did like on and boudreaux could come but i doubt he'll want to so boudreaux you're not invited yet but if you and i did like on wednesday nights a NFL show. Well, even better, Josh. We'll just put it right on, right on my Facebook Live group with the seventy-three participants. We'll just get you on a live segment every week. No problem. Just I, I, I would love that, of course. You know, because I'll talk about it from like the person by person, guy by guy. Break it down. We could talk fantasy. We could talk just. Every NFL team, like a quick rundown of each one, who they're playing that weekend, the spread, you know, the PPR, all that kind of stuff. And it would be really, really fun. Yeah, I think I think we'd have to switch roles. You'd have to be the expert and I'd have to be the host because I, I'm not sure I, I know the NFL all that well, but um, I know it well enough. I, th I think a little bit above average. Yeah, we – we can we can try it both ways, and because I got I think if we just looked at each game, say, and or each team, and break it down and talk about each one, just a quick synopsis for the week, what's ahead, that sort of thing. I bet people would really like it. Uh, with your 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 following, would really really like it. I think so. Because yeah. I really love playing that uh, draft game. I probably play it more than I lead on. That's on, no, that's on Wednesday, Josh. That's on Wednesday. <laughs> Pujo, you ain't invited because you'll get. We can't talk about on, LSU the whole time. Is that on Wednesday night? I do. I'm I do. Wednesday nights. NFL, NFL talk on Wednesday nights. Yeah. What, what, I'm busy that week. <laughs> 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 I figured you might be. I mean, if I look at my calendar right now, it is. Book solid for Wednesday nights. I, but, I mean, yeah. like, as like, far as I can see, I'm not available. <laughs> but Johnny, oh, think about it. I'm I'm in fully, and I think it would be really good. I think we would be able to talk about a lot that your your people would really like. I know sure. a little bit about the NFL. Certainly. Certainly. And it's that's funny. I stumbled there. You know, it's too early for me. I'm, I've got a history of concussions. I, I couldn't even count on my hands how many. But uh, so sometimes I, I get sh short sighted with things. But I remember I was like stalling. I was like, oh, where was I going? And you were talking about how I had such a following. I, I don't think it really has a lot to do so much with uh, maybe my my car salesmanship. I think it's more social media. Um, I came from um a lot of different uh, communities background from where we're from. You know, I uh, went to elementary school in North Delta, made a lot of friends there, um, played lacrosse my entire life. I, I don't, it, a lot, from probably the age of six to 23, whenever I got hurt, um, always like kind of elite level lacrosse, 
from there playing on summer games teams, meeting everyone from different communities. I went to a private school outside of the suburbs, Vancouver College, where they had um, people from every different community. Um, after high school, I played for a community club with players from everywhere. From there, I played on an all-star team with players from everywhere. I then went to SFU and played with players from everywhere. Um, so I think probably just having um, a kind of a good nature about myself where I kind of had the ability to, to make friends and, and just being in a, a situation where I kind of got involved with a lot of different networks of people and different communities growing up and then just having the relentlessness and the consistency of always post. I don't know there's too many car salesmen that have posted every car they've ever sold. I th I'm sure I missed a, a handful, but you know, on social media and then continue to post them on their anniversaries and then put them in an evidence manual and then post the pages of the evidence manual. Um, I, I think that probably, I, I, I'm not really sure. I, I think luck probably has a little bit to do with it. Just got a little I bit. I think you and Boudreaux are more alike in that sense than you guys probably even know because you, you sold but based off a relationship. Yeah, like myself, I, I don't think... Um, I'm not very familiar with what a house deal is. I don't really know too much about what internet leads look like. I, I got a handful of them over the years. I'm not, was never outside of maybe my first year, never really a big take up guy. Uh, I was uh, very uh, much about calling call lists and selling and uh, to people I knew and referrals that my referrals call lists um, and, uh, uh, you know, friends, that's where I would say 80% of my business was probably in, in my career. So um, yeah, I think you and Boudreaux would have made an, a nutty team because Boudreaux's like, he's on this different plane and a different realm talking about, you know, the source and stuff and how that can uh, work with you, Johnny. O. I think that because of your literal uh, ness, your literalness. I don't know if that's a word or not. Boudreaux is probably going to correct a lot of what we're doing wrong today, but I, I don't know if literal <laughs> word uh, Boudreaux, but I think that Johnny O um, and you combined is like, I don't know, uh, you guys would be operating at a, such a superior level. I don't know. I might bring back, bring down Damien a little bit. He's he's got a little bit more experience and expertise than me. I, well, yeah, I, but that's the that's the point though, because what you said about just being a likable guy and just a genuine uh, someone who, I mean, you you are the spitting image of just a, a likable guy and good natured. I think is the exact verbiage you use. Just good natured. They say they say like people buy from people they like, trust, and respect. Uh, the respect side of it, I think that's hit or miss. Um, the, the like side's very high, and the trust, right? People really like me. I've always been very likable. Um, my whole life, uh, you know, I, I haven't really had much trouble making friends, and I, I think I've always been very trusted. I, I don't think there's too many people that would, um, you know, say, say I was untrustworthy. I would hope not. Uh, but the respect side of it, that's probably, you know, more uh, more of my challenge, right? Because sometimes maybe I'm a little bit more, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think, you know, product knowledge and stuff like that was definitely probably not as, you know, later in my career. 
uh, I, I actually started to have pretty decent product knowledge and start to know. But, uh, you know, I, I remember the early days, you know, I, I was brought up, um, you know, six days a week by a single mother. I didn't know what GMC was. I didn't know what a standard was. I didn't know what a, a anything. I probably knew nothing about cars, nothing. I remember someone asked me my first day on the job, what, what do you know about cars? I'm like, nothing. Like, didn't they ask you on the interview? Like, no, it never came up. The gentleman just built common ground. We started talking football actually, uh, oddly enough. And, uh, you know, they'd be like, wow, your first month, you're selling like 13 cars. Like, you know, nothing about them, nothing. And it's, it's a product of relationship building, right? It's just the product of, I'm not saying product knowledge isn't important, but you got that tech guy that can't sell a car and uh, someone like me that right off the right off the gate sold a lot and at, at the end of the day i think it's a superior knowledge of salesmanship you know oh what kind of uh horsepower does that car have mr Overton? you know what mrs smith i, I that's an agree bounce clause that's an excellent question i totally appreciate you wanting to know the statistics behind the productivity of the engine but at the end of the day i found a lot more success letting people drive the car experience the car how it drives so you don't have any pre uh, conditioned expectations of the engine and then once we figure out if it meets your driving needs uh, once you drive the vehicle then we can get into the logistics and the statistics and all this sort of thing and then sure enough you know you jump in the back seat and i'm on google what horsepower does this car have well you'd be surprised to know that this actually has 245 horsepower so just being a little bit crafty right and kind of so forth but uh you know i i don't I think at the end of the day, there's a bazillion people that know cars inside and out, but I don't think there's too many car salesmen out there that people, you know, generally trust and, and, and like. That's because um, there's not many people that are likable, right, Boudreaux? I mean, when it comes down to it, what I love about Damien Boudreaux, for one, is I love the spiritual connection that he has at the level that he does. And it, at the core, it's what I really, really believe is his most powerful thing is his spiritual connection with this realm and maybe the next. And, but you guys are so similar really when it comes to relationships and you do, you just have to be likable. Don't you Boudreaux? You know, when people first get in the car business, they don't know about the product. They don't know about the process. They don't know about the paperwork. They don't know nothing, you know, and what do they know? They know how to be themselves. They, they're good at that, right? And they know how to be likable and fun. And they were hired because they were likable, right? They weren't hired because they were tenacious and ran over people and ripped people's heads off. They were hired because they were likable and, 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 and at some point could have had drive or desire, right? And so many people get lost in the battle that they need to know the product and then they become stifled or you know with i don't know enough and then they lose themselves in the trying to study how many horsepower or you know how many how, what can this thing pull and um don't really talk about cars right ali can't tell you about the cadillac escalade you know, the number one Cadillac salesman in the country. He can't tell you about the Cadillac Escalade to, to the degree that somebody who's been in the business two years can. But he doesn't need to. It's, it's what Johnny O said. It's what, it's what the Escalade does for the person mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially, you know, all the different places that I, that Escalade is adding value to their life that causes that Escalade to be worth the money, not that it gets 20 miles to the gallon. 
That's the logical side of it. And that's what we're taught to sell on is the logic. And that's not why people buy. They buy because of what the vehicle is going to do for them, how it's going to make them feel, what it's going to, you know, does it, does it help? They, do they, does it achieve some unspoken possibility or dream that goes unspoken in the fact that they want power windows, power door locks, power seats, great interior, you know, the, the sync it up system and all the other toys, right? Is there another reason they're really buying this? Did, did their uncle have one who was very wealthy or very influential in their life and they've always wanted to be like their uncle? You'll never get that, but that is not a spoken thing. It has nothing to do with how, how much the car is going to pull. Yeah, well said. And that's why I think maybe next time you write a book, you better have Johnny O get in on some of this and write a little section in there. Probably, probably, not, probably not. Johnny O, are you up? I was going to say, probably not if he wants to sell some copies, but, you know, if he, if he wants to keep it on the bookshelf, I'm, I'll, I'll help you with that. I'll, I'll get my pen out. Johnny, uh, unfortunately, I, I've, already committed, I've already committed space on that book to Ali Rita, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> so the, the co-author on it is, I really, I, I messed up. I, I got to put his ass on. I've already given my word. <laughs> I know he only sells 130 a month, you know, and he's, you know, you know, but I, I, there's no way I can go back on my word now with him. <laughs> if you if you only knew the the legendary football, maybe the book the after the the John Young version. Johnny, you should call <laughs> Joe Verdi. Right. Hey, I want you to seriously do this Wednesday <laughs> nights. Yeah, Joe Verdi. We need to get Joe Verdi on here and ask him some questions, I think. I love Have you Joe met Verde. Joe Verdi, Boo? You know, I've never met really any of the trainers out there uh, at all. I kept my stuff really clean and pure. The only person I know is Grant, and I grew up with him. So, really, I mean, I know, I know who Grant is. I, I, he's, he, I've known him since 16 or 17 years old. So... <laughs> For me, I think I identify. And how did you meet Grant? Why? Why do you know Grant? That age. His mama and my auntie were dear friends, and everybody knew the Cardone boys. They were bad. Huh. They were in trouble all the time. And Grant is not changed. Grant is grown, but he's real. He's the same guy. Nothing but respect for him. He's totally different than me. Right, but you couldn't. When I sold cars against Grant, you couldn't outsell him. He was going to outwork you. He was going to get there at six thirty in the morning. He was going to be there till nine o'clock at night. And we closed at seven. Right, we got to work at nine or eight. I think we got to work at eight. And and Grant was there before then. And Grant worked for my Pee Wee baseball coach, Daryl Landry. And Daryl was always trying to get me to go to work at his store. Right, and um. It was a small community. Every, we knew everybody, right? Everybody definitely knew my dad. But um, yeah, it was a different. That's Grant. Grant worked his butt off. He studied Jackie Cooper and Th Tom Stuker a lot. Tom, he's the phone. He's 
the main phone trainer for a lot of people is still operating at the kind of level that he was operating back in say the 90s Stuker was the car guy. You kind of broke up there for a little bit. I'm guessing that's what you're talking about. Yeah, well, I had asked if if he if you know if he was still operating. So Stuker was like the main phone trainer uh, when I really started first. in the car business, and for a lot of people. So this would have been the '90s. I don't know if he is still operating like that or not. Am Tom I still is. cutting out? No, you're there now. I don't know where Tom is now. Um, he, uh, in the 70s is when he started. You know who's got a history of the car business better than probably anybody I've ever met is that Craig Lockhart with, um, with Automax. I mean, he really, and Max Clem. Those two guys know the, the teaching part of when people started showing up teaching. Right when Jackie showed up, when Cooper showed up. When uh, I've had the ability to interview uh, Craig one time about that. Well, what an interview! We were just talking one day we'd never met before. But he's Craig Lockhart has a, a wealth of knowledge of the history of how we got here and why it's not good, you know. And that's that Auto Max recruiting. He, he owns that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, Automax is a big, well-known company in the car. And, uh, other than Joe Verde, Johnny O, did, had you heard of Tom Stucker? You know what? For, for myself, I, I am, I'm just like of the obedient nature. I, I, you know, I think because I was first introduced to Verde, I, I'm not going to sway. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bite into that system, and I'm going to live and die. And it always kept me on track. Um, I don't know if things would have been different if I went into Cardone first. I think Verde kind of has a swagger that's a little bit more identical to mine, maybe. I think the quirkiness of myself kind of identified. I think when we watch the Verde things, I think a lot of guys in the room would be like, I can't say that, or they felt it was outdated or quirky and stuff. And I just haven't, Johnny, like, haven't you noticed? Or Johnny, haven't you noticed, and Boudreaux too, haven't you noticed that your first manager that trains you in the car business is this guy could walk on water. And so then you go around, you tell everybody, this is the best guy that ever I have ever met in the car business. This is the guy who trains me. I've seen it so often from people in the car business. And then you got five other people that are like, that guy, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, meaning I think that a lot of us, the the first people that we get introduced to is really then, then because we are, you know, we do keep it simple selling, right? Maybe we hold on to those and then that's, you know, we, we want to keep it basic. We want to keep it simple. So, but I do also believe just from my opinion, we need to learn all the different ways and stuff after that, Johnny O, but I, I find, what do you think? I think Cardone was a big playoff for a day. I don't know who came first. I don't think there's a lot of reinventing the wheel. I think they both have highlights. They have downs. They have lows. But I think at the end of the day, it's just it's follow a process, right? They're, they're guys of strategy and process. Uh, I think Cardone maybe had some uh, advantages because maybe he's, he's a little uh, fresher, a little newer to the stage uh, maybe than, than 
than Verde, right? There's always progressions of everything. But at the end of the day, I don't think a lot of times when, when you're dealing with guys like that on that stage, I, I don't think it's necessarily um, necessarily reliant on which, you know, if you have what's, – what's the difference between a couple of great strategies, right? I, I think they're both great. I both think they're both outstanding. Um, I, I think – But as far pretty, as have you noticed, though – Notice that people, when they learn, you know, salespeople, other salespeople that you saw brand new, like whoever they learned as the first person, they're like, wow, this is this is the, the person that, that everyone should learn from. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, you guys understand? I think, what I think no, I know what you're saying. I know, I know what you're saying. Actually, after I got, uh, like, got into the Verde and I always resented it. They got rid of the training, I think after about four months and then for the next six years, I don't think there was really any training uh, minus uh, a gentleman that was our trainer that I, I'm not sure what went on there because he never trained me. Uh, so I'm not really quite certain. I always think about what if I had that training for an extra two. See that right there. That's what I'm talking about. I bet, I bet you though, Johnny, O. see, that's what I'm talking about. I bet somebody else, would say that that person's a great trainer. I bet you I somebody else would say that person's a great trainer. I would bet a lot of money no one would say that. Maybe not that <laughs> person. You, so. you kind of know what I'm talking about, don't you, as far as in the car business? I mean, I worked at a few different dealerships. So I, I do. I and let me... Working a lot of... I don't yeah. want to say a lot of places because I've been stable, but, I mean, I, I, I've moved up too, you know, so I've, I've had to move around a little bit to move up. And, and so, Boudreaux, do you understand kind of what I'm saying? Great thing about managers is that's where you should be getting your training is for managers. Sales trainers should not be the celebrity. When you talk about the car business, you should not be talking about Damien Boudreaux as the person who got you there. You should be talking about your manager who got you there. Because in my career, there was really nobody, right? There was, there was Cooper had just come on the scene and my dealer in Lake Charles was not a Cooper fan, right? He wasn't a word tracks fan. He was a part of the community fan, but you, you take Red Hickman, who was a general manager, and he gave me this ability to always, he always knew how to motivate me. And Burley Broussard at the dealership was the F&I manager. And he said, look, there's always a deal. Look, you just bring it to me. I'll find the deal. And so it was my job to believe in the deal, his job to find the deal. That was our relationship. And he would come in and he'd say, there's a deal here, right? We're not wasting our time. And if, if I said, there's no deal there, he would turn the deal, right? There's a deal. And every deal, right? And so then there's Jerry Williams. And every time I would come to the desk, Jerry Williams knew I couldn't close the screen door, but those people loved me. So he would just know to slow me down and he would go and he would close the deal for me because I sucked at closing, right? And so every manager I had had this, this gift. And, and that goes to great leadership. Leaders build a team and coach the team, but individually they just find the highlight of what that – that, that human is magical at and then keep adding seasoning to where they're magical because what you do well, you can do magnificently. What you suck at, you might become average at and the best of the sorriest, the sorriest of the best does not make you a paycheck, right? You wanna, you wanna develop magnificence. Magnificence comes from working with somebody every day, not me puking onto a video, teaching you how to do life in a dealership without that personal bond of you. And our industry yeah. has gotten away from teaching leaders to be developers 
of folks to build a team that's unstoppable knowing these three people need to just go do it. When they come to the desk, I'm going, where are you at? What you got? Perfect. Let's go with it. Good job. Grateful you're here. Where are you at? Okay, so let's slow down and let's talk about this. Okay, so here's where the customer is feeling. This is what they're thinking. This is what they're wanting to do. So you go in and now you load their lift, which isn't sanitary at any level, but that's what we are taught to do, right? And then the new guy, we got to protect him. Hey, don't worry about a thing. You screwed that one up. Welcome to the car business. We don't treat people like shit. So I think our biggest challenge in the car business, Josh, is that we don't teach managers to be that mentor that you're talking about. You could go back and you can talk about your Burley Broussards and your Jerry Williams and your Roger Simmons and your- well, but I mean something different. I mean something a tad different. And what I mean is, for example, desk people, like maybe the Portland Portland market is just strange. I don't know. But we we communicate a lot as, say, sales managers in the car business. We have our own little circle in the whole entire town and it can be from all different makes manufacturers, but it's really small, even though there's so many people, it's still really small. The market of selling cars is really, the, the people that are successful selling cars in the Portland market in the United States is really pretty small. And so what I mean is, is I'll have a manager across town tell me that this other manager is one of the best trainers they've ever seen. And then I'll have five other managers tell me that that guy is hot garbage and that I should never want to work with them in my life and never to try and recruit that guy. So what I mean is, is what I found is that depending on where in a person's career they worked with that manager, right? Because you guys are talking about evolution and change. And I think that this is an example of that, right? Yesterday, we're not the same people that we are today for one, but so often do I see that, like me, for example, one of my first sales managers is this guy. And since he's someone that really taught me, all of a sudden in my mind, this guy's a great trainer, but maybe he didn't do it well with the other five people that he worked with. And now those people are have moved up in the car business. And so then you ask them, is this guy a good trainer? Is this guy a good sales manager? Is someone I should recruit? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, heck no. And then you ask that one person, they're like, oh, this is the best trainer I've ever had in my entire life. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the trainers, you know, the traveling trainers, the Josh Letzes of the world, whom I love dearly and is the man. If you ever want a trainer, go with Closing Big and Damien Boudreaux from Auto Training Academy. But what I'm talking about is the people in the car business, right? I often see whoever are the first people that really uh, had a, you know, were, were new to you, right? who were new to you, like you heard things for the first time, you saw them close deals for the first time, those people are all of a sudden like the greatest things in sliced bread. And then other people didn't meet them that way. And so they're like, yeah, those guys are hot garbage. What do you guys think about that? Like for, for me, See that I agree. Oh, go ahead, John, John, yeah. for me, and it, I always am very reluctant to see maybe a different perspective than, than Mr. Boudreau, because I, I will stress he's, twice the expert I could ever be, of course. Um, <laughs> but myself, like... Opinions are important. Yeah, like, my, I, I believe in special specialization. I believe in kind of like, you know, 
mass production. Everyone has their particular job. You break it down. So I think, you know, you start relying on these managers. Now you're playing in the game of relying on individuality. That manager leaves. Now a different manager comes in and you have all these different perspectives. I think it's pretty tough to put the, the you know, it on your managers to start training people, you know, unless they are going to put together some, some videos and a strategy and a playbook and all this kind of stuff. So the consistency is there and the traditions align. So if they leave other salespeople can hone in and there's not a beat missed, you know, I, I think, you know, having a strong regiment, whether it, it's a training process by closing big or, or Damien or Verde or Grant Cardone or whatever it is, but having a professional backbone to your training process i think there's different skills i think you could be a really great manager and a really crappy teacher i do believe that so i think you know to put someone in place as a trainer that specializes you know i personally i don't know i i think i i probably i i feel like in life i've had success in almost everything i've done but i know that i'd be a better trainer than probably a manager so do we want me at the tower penciling deals and putting numbers on when maybe potentially there could be someone stronger at that doing that, that, or, and have me training as opposed to vice versa and mixing it up. I think really honing in and having people with their talents specializing and doing what they need to do and having a regiment or a foundation to behind the dealership that everyone has bought into is the recipe for longevity and success that prevents what you're talking about, Josh. We talked, you know, the reason why people have different perspectives is because there's not a strong system in place. Everyone's turning a different page. Everyone has different outcomes. You know, you have one person learning one system and a different manager comes in and does something differently. It might not necessarily mean he's better than the other. It just means that you're having too much inconsistency. It's about a strong system in place and everyone, and you know, probably Damien goes in there and trains these managers. So it is consistent. And that's where his perspective probably comes from because he's the dealerships had the privilege and the luxury of having him set up a foundation of success that these managers play on and, and keep that realm of, but I, I don't think a lot of people have that higher intelligence and that luxury of having a guy like him at their dealership. So when it comes to these videos and stuff, I, I think that's, probably an alternative that that can kind of keep people on the same page right and uh make sure that there aren't you know ian demansky trained me i think he's the greatest manager that uh, just one of the best talents ever i i continuously defended him up until the, probably the day i left and told everyone how great he was but maybe not necessarily a lot of people agreed well that's because i was probably the only one that lasted long term that he trained Right. So that right there, I, John, though, is what you what you just said right there. And so because I think maybe I'm portraying but just, to, just, to, just to continue on that page yeah. is I, I think Ian was a great manager, but I think his strength was teaching. Right. He, he was an absolute amazing teacher. I would not have been even a third of the salesman I was without his help, but they had him desking deals. They had him. You know, he was great at closing. He was great at teaching um, and, and probably a lot of things. But you know, probably the, the greatest benefit would have been having him train all the salespeople and letting someone else that maybe could desk deals do that side of it because not many people could teach the way he could, but I think a lot of people probably similarly could desk deals maybe the way he could. Uh, I don't know about close. Did he, did he, he, he was a strong your, closer. Did he teach you? Did he teach you specifically, John Young? Yeah, yeah. He taught me. So um, how many other people? How many other people like you did he teach? Not many because at Duick, it was the highest turnover ever. Like I think only maybe two or three in the seven years people like seven years. I was six years. I was there five years or whatever it was. I no, think, only, I think only, only two or three lasted long-term. Right. So 
probably, okay. yeah. Okay, so just hang with me for a second. So if I were to ask you, Boudreaux, right, that this manager over here trained three people that are 10-year car salespeople, would that be successful or not? Sorry, I'm sorry. You define success. So I like where you're going, though. So let's back into let's back into your question. Right. What is it about that manager that caused that salesman to believe that they were the best manager ever? And when you break it down, that manager put them in a position where they were better. They improved. They were profitable. They were productive. They felt like they belonged. They felt like they were part of a team. They felt like they were recognized. They felt like they were, were valued. They felt like the mindset they got fit what they were trying to do. So why is it that this manager could be considered great by this salesman and sucked by this one? Because the manager tapped into, this is what this guy needed accidentally, whatever the reason they did, and fed that monster that said you can be a great one you can be impressive you can do this you can accomplish this you naturally do this well if i'm asking the salesman to do something they suck at and don't do well and everything i ask them to do makes them look bad i suck because now he's gonna say yeah i wasn't a good manager at all i mean it's like everything i did because of him made me look bad or feel bad, or be bad, or didn't fit my values. Managers have different roles in a dealership. So you have the teacher, you have the one who's about mindset, you have the ones about structure, you have the ones that, that manage the, the, the compliance part of it. You have different things that you do in a dealership. The challenge with managers, nobody showed them those four boxes and said, okay, here's what y'all are doing to develop people, right? It's a challenging world y'all are in, and you naturally fit in it. The longer the people at your store stay with your store, your managers will naturally fall into the category that they do best. And you naturally surrender to the fact that, hey, you know what, Boudreaux, you, you need help, help me with the teaching because that's where you want me as a manager in your store, right? And then you have the person, look, I don't want you talking to nobody, but you're a genius at paperwork, but you're not allowed to talk to salespeople ever again. You make them feel like shit. Right. They don't they don't feel better when they leave the desk when they talk to you. Right. They're not ready to conquer the world. Right. And so the ability for a manager to tap into the person and and enlighten the person is the reason that salesperson connected with. It. And sometimes that was look, he was just tough with me and really made me be better because he saw me better. She saw me better. And that simple thing for the first time somebody believed I could do it will make you a great manager. Because they go, I believe in my manager, Steve, he believed in me more than I believed in myself. He would look at me and he'd go, you got this. And I don't know why I believed him. But when he said it, I believed him. Maybe there is something. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there is something more. Golly. I just, I don't feel that good about this, but man, I tell you, if he says I can do it, I can do it. That's a manager's job. That's a developer of human beings. 
Yeah. And Mike, I guess that's, that's going in the right direction now as to what I'm talking about. It's just that I think that there's another level of that. And that is, you know, there's this manager that was best for this thing. Right. And he touched me at a certain time. And then there was this manager that was best for this thing. And he touched me at a certain time, you know, and made me see it at a certain time. And then there was another manager, you know, I, I don't think that the student often enough finds and takes the good from each one of them. I think that oftentimes, especially people that are not in the car business or say weren't managers in the car business for a long time, I see it very often to where they're not realizing that there's going to be, uh, it's like a relationship, you know, there's going to be days where you got to remember, it doesn't matter whether it's a good or bad day because we're in a relationship, you know? And I think that what happens is, is salespeople, right? Will every day, because in the car business, you get a lot of people that are one foot in one foot out. And so I think they make a judgment on one day of a person and managers do the same thing. They'll judge a salesperson on one day of what's going on instead of realizing this is a relationship, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, needs to last forever. Right. And you talk about it all the time, Boudreaux, when it comes to, uh, you know, treating customers like this and Johnny, Oh, you're an, you're an expert, uh, whether you believe it or not, you were an expert at treating customers like this. And so I think that there's needs to be an added layer in people's minds that needs to be in a real effort in the car business and in business and in general and life in general. That is when I meet people that I find the good from each one of them. Right. And that's why I think we could probably put anyone on the show. I'd find a way to tie it into car sales. Can't do that if you don't see the good in you. So it starts with who you are before you can see the good in other people. And, and that, that is a, that's one of the toughest things about leadership in our, in our industry. Then you have the upper level of leadership, which is GSMGM owner. And they're at a different level because what happens is I come into the dealership as a green pea and they lock me into who I am. And three years from now, I am not the same human that I was three years ago. But because you think you, you know, I'm chapter one, you're still grading me of chapter one. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, when Boudreaux first started in this business, they don't even say that anymore. They say, yeah, this is what he does. I did that the first year. I don't do that the fourth year, <laughs> but because we don't evolve the relationship, you know, they grew too. You think you grew, but you don't give them credit for growth. Right. And so now we have managers and dealers, GSMs, GMs and managers and dealers who lock people in. This is who they are based on where they were here. You know, the kid comes in the dealership, right? Single kid, full blast, no responsibility, no sense at all. Two years in the business has now a child. May or may not be married, but they have a child and you watch them. If you just take a step back, you go, well, who showed up for work? What the hell happened to the guy I labeled here? But they don't do that because they already know who that is and it takes too much effort to reassess the growth that young fella had, that young lady had, right? And so we lock them into identity and they've changed. And we now we're constantly not letting, now we build a ceiling on their growth because of our belief system that we know them. 
Yeah. Well, I think that it, yeah, I think we're really on it because it goes back to, it still goes back to is, are you likable or not? You know, in other words, how many people do you still are in contact with, say from, you know, the eighties that you met, I, I imagine for both of you, <clears throat> both of you are still in contact with a lot of people that you met in the car business, right? Selling cars with their managers, a lot of tenants, whoever, you know, like you guys are likable people. But I think that, um, you know, I think that part of the car business's problem is one foot in one foot out mentality, you know, and I think you get a lot of people that, oh yeah, I've sold cars. <laughs> yeah, well, try 30 years of it, you know, and then get back to me, right? That's so, that's the thing about having a child, right? All of a sudden, a child, now there's not one foot in, one foot out, right? And that one event, that one event yeah. puts them all in, yep. right? Yeah, and, you're right on it. And that, and that ability to 30 years from now, you know, there's nothing more flattering to show up in a dealership and see somebody you worked with in 1984 and 1986, <laughs> and they get up in front front and say, uh, okay, I worked with him. Let me tell you something. He's a, he's a great teacher. He's funny. He's entertaining, but he did it. Right. And it's just like, I saw the guy sell 50 vans, right? I saw him do it. I was the make ready manager at the dealership. I'm telling you, y'all listen, I, I, he, he, he played the make ready department like a violin. He'd come in and there were 12 packs of beers every, you know, on the weekends for us. He fed us and, and all of that stuff, I didn't think about that. That's what they felt about me, right? But that's things that we that I did that 20 years later in a sales meeting or at a dealership, somebody's saying, I saw him do this. I saw, I saw the receptionist feeding him deals. Yeah, so, and some people naturally, like when I was in Florida a couple months ago, I wanted to stop in at a dealership just because I'm in the car business, of course. And so I just went into the sales desk, you know, and said, Hey, I want to introduce myself to a couple of you, you know, and what do you guys do? And there was one guy who was super aware of, in my opinion, what it's all about, you know, and totally was friendly, had a conversation with me. The other guy just kind of didn't really care what we were doing. And of course I'm still, I don't want to shout him out because I don't have his permission or anything, but you know who you are met you in Florida a couple months ago. Love you because of the fact that you just realized this world is just all about it, man. And now we talk, you know, like, like he asked me, how's it going over there? And I asked him, how's it going over there? Just normal car guy, car gal, car person type stuff, you know, and, and real world type stuff. It's like, we're here to make these connections. Just look for the good in each other because you never know. Right. Business is Johnny, small. Are you with me or what, man? I'm with you. What do you think, Johnny O? I mean, uh, we met on Twitter for crying out loud. I think, you know, I think when just to kind of backpedal a little bit, when you're talking about like how some managers are regarded better than others, I, outside of maybe a hiring process and just kind of giving the benefit of the doubt that you got someone in the realm of the right guy for the right job there, which I think is you know, most commonly probably the situation, I think it comes down to just lack of unity in a system behind what you're doing. Because a lot of times, you know, you have different people that identify with different managers. And one thing, and I've talked about, you know, realism and Machiavellian principles and, and so forth, but people 
a lot of times um, our actions are kind of based on, on uh, you know, um, self uh, gains or, or in, intentions of, oh, of benefit. So a lot of times when, when you don't have a, a team an atmosphere, you don't have, have one. Thank you so much, man. We'll finish up. Have a good day. Uh, any, any, yeah, everybody any, have a great week. Any weekly motivation before you want to go? Great week. First, be happy. Take care of people. Be generous. Just give. Have fun. Don't sell anything. Just take care of everybody. Right? Have a good week. Oh, sorry, Johnny. I'll go ahead. And then there was two. But yeah, I think a, a lack of unity because you just have so many different perspectives and opinions. And probably the most, you know, you talk about building common ground. Well, the people that identify with managers are probably the most people that are similarly similar to them or have some common ground or identify with them more and then comes into play like one manager you know to bring himself up talks poorly about another manager and that manager the same and think there's that division and one's doing one one way that works well with one salesperson but the other salesperson goes on the other path because he works better with this particular manager whereas if there was that unity and that system involved then there wouldn't be that preference or that favoritism or that bias or that kind of um, kind of division yeah, between, beyond, between I think it's beyond Johnny O. I think it's beyond um, process or unity or system. I think unity is closer to it because I think it has to do with culture. Definitely. Definitely. 100%. You said it. That's And strong culture is going to outperform any sales floor of stars. Uh, in my opinion, because a strong culture is going to have more stars than, than the superstars in the other culture, right? That's right. I think you got to make everyone else a star around you, you know? I think that's what it's in. You're a team guy. I think if everyone – I think everyone would be wise just to lift up those that they meet high above themselves and just hold on, you know, because I think eventually they'll they'll bring you up there with them. And, uh, you know, if you just keep on pushing everyone right up above you, you're going to be all right. Yeah, like I, I think I've, I've probably spoken about it a billion times when people ask me about, you know, the recipe for success. And, and the number one thing is, is staying positive. So, you know, you can be the greatest talent in the world, the greatest manager, the greatest salesman, the greatest closer. But at the end of the day, what's more valuable? Myself, I, I think probably a teacher and someone that's positive and brings up the morale of the sales floor is going to be a greater asset that follows the system and is obedient and, um, you know, has genuinity to them and puts the company first uh, before their self and intentions or incentives. That, at the end of the day, is going to win, uh, not maybe win the day, but win the year, win the decade, long-term success. Uh, definitely, in my opinion, is, is what's going to, you know, um, take you to the top. Yeah. Put people first. And uh, let's just skip right to we've been going on longer than I thought. So we better skip to the weekly motivation. Johnny, you want to you want to tell us what weekly motivation uh, we got this week? I, I, you know what, Josh? I, I thought that I was particularly tired this morning. I hope it didn't come across and, and people didn't pick up on that. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I knew the second I was overly tired, I knew it was going to be a longer segment. So uh, I, I think, sure. yeah, yeah, of course, right? But uh, I think as far as motivation is concerned, um, you know, it, it's kind of just uh, 
one of these these uh, kind of times where you gotta like I was talking about earlier, right? Stay positive. You gotta see the good things. One thing at, at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm when I spent probably almost a couple of years, well over a year in a, in an ice bath trying to mediate a, a severe s- stress fracture in my hip and pelvis. At the end of the day, I think one of the things that got me through the day was just knowing it could be worse, right? You could be a, a starving child in Africa. You could be born into poverty or, uh, you know, a situation of domestic violence or, or with parents with major drug abuse problems or the list goes on, right? So I think it's really easy to sit there and, and, and kind of play play the victim or blame yourself or, or feel slighted. or And I think that you're just following into the, the realm of, of, of excuse making and allowing yourself uh, to kind of be mediocre or complacent and, and not kind of achieve your full potential. Right. So I think at the end of the day, no matter how bad it is, especially in these times, especially with COVID, especially with everything that's happening, I think you, if you're in a situation where you can't think of a scenario where somebody has it worse then it's, I don't even, then I'm, then you're probably of a one percentile in the world. Right. But, you know, as I think at the end of the day, as long as you have your health, uh, you're rich and uh, it's endless, the possibilities, right. So stay healthy, stay COVID three, stay positive. And uh, the fastest way to a deal and success is, is to slow down and appreciate life. Right. Man, that's good. And, and football. Don't forget yes. football. But I'm yeah. serious. Are you in for a Wednesday night uh, football or you got something going on, you think? You know what, Josh? I, I might try to sway you to a different – because I, I do a live update and I'm already kind of – I do a live update Monday, Thursday, uh, Sunday. Yeah, Monday. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like losing track. There's four of them. Monday, Thursday, Sunday, and then I announce the winner Tuesday. I don't know. It would fit right in. I'm talking about just talking about like the games and teams and players, right? I think we could do a really good job. I really, I really do. But just think about it. Just think about it because I, I want it to be something just you and I just talking about, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be just me asking questions or whatever. You could ask the questions, but I think that it would be really, really good and niche on uh, football. And I think that right now is a good time with the first quarter um, you know, are the second quarter starting of the season in the NFL. That would give us, what, another 12 weeks and, and then the playoffs of um, – I, I think that people would really like it. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm definitely game. I'm going to have to take it up with my better half. She's she's already a little bit uh, uh, wondering what's going on with the, with the amount of uh, live updates I'm already doing. But I, I would say there's a very good chance we could put that together. I would, I would be super excited because uh, I do love the NFL and I love this rookie class. And I feel like I'm, uh, even though my Niners suck, uh, I feel that um, it's, it's going to be an awesome season. And so that's part of my weekly motivation is I want to put together a, uh, I feel like I could talk a a lot about it and you have the perfect personality uh, for it, obviously. And I think that you already have such a good, um, you know, people that would like it uh, and what we would be talking about. And so I think it'd be really fun, but yeah, schedule wise, and definitely we're not going to upset Adriana. So uh, (laughs) weekly motivation uh, last week, oldie, but goodie, John Maxwell. I love this. It's, it's like an instruction manual type. 
And so many of the powerful things that you'll ever hear and see John Maxwell say and talk about is in this book. And then this one we just started yesterday. Uh, this is the advantage talks about organizational health and uh, it's uh, it's off to a good start. So uh, thank you so much, Johnny O as usual. And it uh, sounds like we'll be talking and y'all have a wonderful week.